What is up, beautiful people? Welcome one, welcome all. I've missed you. How have you been doing? Hugs and kutches all around, in case you don't know. A kutch is another little bit of Welsh slang for you. Uh, a kutch is a hug, a cuddle. So kutches all around, sent from a cold and wintry South Wales living room. Because <laughs> I, I ain't putting my heating on, man. Nobody could afford it, man. Can't afford it. So keep sharing those kutches, those collective kutches, and let's all warm each other up penguin style, because, you know, that's, that's all we got right now, man. Whilst this present government continues to pile us all off the edge of the cliff in this burning bus that we're all on at the moment, because uh, I know I know they've you know they've got a little bit of time left before uh, they have to actually fight for their their spot. So I think they're going to do as much carnage as they can before they have to get their boxing gloves back on and start fighting dirty, which we know that they're very good at. Our side, not so much, unless of course, as the song goes, they're fighting each other. <laughs> The song I'm quoting, of course, being my own, We Fight Dirty, from the seminal album Make Anger Great Again, available now on Conic Records. But in all seriousness, let's get down to what really matters. Let's get down to the subject at hand here. Have you subscribed to the podcast? Have you clicked that five-star button? Have you clicked follow? Have you shared it? Have you left a review? Have you done anything for me at all? Have you, you know, after everything I do for you, I don't know why I bother anymore. All you got to do is subscribe and continue to get all this free goodness sent into your earlobes. I urge you all right now to press stop on the podcast and go and click follow, subscribe, or whatever platform you're on, whatever the, you know, whatever the wording is on the platform you're on right now. Just go and do the equivalent of following and leaving me some stars, baby. And I promise you I'll keep these chats coming because, boy, we have got some killers lined up for you. Honestly, <laughs> it's insane. I mean, some of these dudes are taking a while to book in because, you know, they're like, super 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 busy but trust me it is going to be worth the wait and i don't want to have to keep nagging you to listen to the episode so just click subscribe and be done with it yep i know you want to let's let's stop with quit with the foreplay just click subscribe and be done with it cool now today we are talking about the biggie we are talking about the big b we're talking about brexit That's right, baby. We're talking about the proud moment when this country stuck it to the bureaucrats by shooting ourselves in our collective balls. And boy, did that show them, huh? You know, food shortages, empty shelves, price hikes, shortages of staff in the restaurants and agriculture and hospitals and all the delivery driver carnage we had a while back. Not to mention the miles and miles of lorries piled up and gridlocked at the ports and tourists camping in the airports. And of course, you know, our economy has been doing just great since Brexit as well, hasn't it? You know, as we race towards another recession in the aforementioned burning school bus that we're all on, you know, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure Brexit's got nothing to do with any of it. I'm sure it's all just a coincidence. I'm sure it's all the fault of Putin or COVID or, you know, someone that's nothing to do with us. And hey, you know, at least we haven't got any more of those immigrants coming over here now and doing all that dirty work. We were all so keen to rush out and take off their hands as soon as they left, you know. And uh, of course, there is always the, you know, that 350 million buckaroonies you know, the NHS now gets to uh, wallow in, you know, a number which, as it turns out, was actually just plucked out of thin air and bore no resemblance to anything whatsoever and has yet to even be delivered to the NHS. Um what else? You know, my industry, I suppose, as we all know by now from previous episodes, has been hit particularly hard by this madness with bands and their crews and touring outfits unable to stay in and work in Europe for longer than 90 days at a time, which is, you know, essentially terminal for most of those people's livelihoods. Um, and, you know, 
last but not least, you know, the, the real victims here, are, are, of course, are, you know, those with second homes on the continent who can now only sunbathe in Greece, you know, for 90 days before they have to get kicked back to the rainy Cotswolds, you know, so our heart bleeds for all of those people. But as I said, you know, it is just all a coincidence. It's got nothing to do with Brexit. It's just bad timing. And um, I'm here today to try and figure it all out with my guest. So to bring us up to date on where we're at, how the hell we got here, and what options we've got left at this point for rebuilding any kind of future harmony with Europe, we are joined today by Anna Bird. Anna Bird is the CEO of European Movement UK, a cross-party pressure group that campaigns to reverse the damage done by Brexit. Anna knows this subject like the back of her hand, which is great because I got a lot of questions. So Anna, thanks so much for taking time to speak with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, James. Oh, no problem at all. Like I said earlier, I've been hounding you down for months, so I'm excited to talk to you today. And I really appreciate you uh, you coming on to uh, to blow our minds with all of your wisdom and knowledge on this issue. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> well, I want to get into everything today, man. I want to get into the votes and the lead up to the, the, the outcome and the backstory and the players. And I want to get into the whole thing and how, what we do moving forward. But to set the scene here, to start off from where we're at right now, can you lay out exactly why Brexit has been so bad for this country? What are some of the main things that we've oh. lost? What are some of the main problems we've now got? What's the deal with this Brexit thing? Oh, it's my favourite subject. All right. I mean, <laughs> look, where do we start? I think, you know, we're, we're focusing a lot on the economy at the moment, aren't we? We're talking about cost of living crisis. So let's start there. Um, you know, leaving the European Union has shrunk uh, our economy for sure, we've lost kind of 5% of GDP, we've reduced productivity, we've increased prices for food and all sorts of things that we buy. It's made it harder for businesses to trade. So for all sorts of reasons, it's been an economic disaster. And, you know, we knew that from the get-go. We knew that it was, it was going to happen like that. I think we've probably had a couple of years where because of COVID, it's not been completely clear exactly what the impact is but we're mm. starting to really feel the impact of brexit on the economy now uh it's absolutely true that kind of the cost of living crisis is bigger than just brexit but it's certainly not making things easier and yeah. you know, it's certainly not the time to be starting to risk a trade war and all the things that this government is currently doing so that is you know the huge damage to our economy and making it harder for us to trade um is is you know, number one, definitely. But it's also risking peace, you know, and, and European Union was a peace project, if it was anything at all, um, when it was founded. And we're in a situation now where, es- you know, there's escalating tension in Northern Ireland um, and the kind of the, the crazy kind of escalation of kind of uh, the issues around the Northern Ireland protocol by this government are just, you know, completely unnecessary um but but essentially it's making it harder to kind of keep the peace and 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 that is that is pretty fundamental isn't it i think we're also um making ourselves less competitive across a whole load of cultural issues and i know that recently you've had on your podcast um someone talking about the impact on the music industry which of course is really your heart um but i think it's you know right across the board in research music culture uh, tourism, all of those things are made harder by us shutting our borders. Um, and there's particularly hard Brexit, you know, all of that. And then I think, you know, there's something quite important about young people's rights being 
kind of, you know, being reduced as a result of Brexit. So it's harder now to kind of travel around the continent to study and work abroad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Freedoms are curtailed. Um, you know, all of that is is true. And then I think more recently, and particularly with this current government, we're starting to see this kind of real race to the bottom on standards. So out of the EU, we're starting to talk about how we can relax standards in relation to the environment. So, you know, mm. we're talking about dirty beaches, dirtier rivers. Um, we're talking about kind of relaxing workers' rights. Well, you know, that's, that's pretty brutal, isn't it? Food safety. This is all the kind of, you know, all that talk about chlorinated chicken. And well, that's coming home to roost now. So all of these things are the end result of kind of Brexit. And, um, you know, I, I feel like if there's all of that put together, we've talked a lot uh, of the European movement about how it feels like we're in a battle for the soul of our country. Essentially, kind of what is it that makes us special? It feels like, you know, our direction is being changed pretty fundamentally. Um, and, and it feels like we need to stand up for who we are and what we believe in and our fundamental values are at risk here. 100%. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for pointing out as well the musical aspect because that is, we, we've done two specials on that particular issue and it's absolutely yeah. insane, you know, the, the 90-day rule and the need for the carne and all of the extra bureaucracy and faff that goes in with it. I mean, it's, it's, it is terminal for many industries, particularly the, the crew, the crew members who, who hop from one tour to the next as their full-time job. Now they've got to do 90 days and go home again, which just means that nobody's hiring them, you know, so it's, it's absolute insanity that we've, we've done this to ourselves. I, I just can't it's figure out why we're here, you know? It, exactly. I think, it, you know, it's mis-sizing the risk, isn't it? Kind of what was the risk of people travelling abroad abroad to kind of take our wonderful, you know, musical industry and kind of share it with the rest of the continent? These are not the people we should be worrying about in terms of immigration or anything else. It just feels absolutely um, crazy, really, that, that, that we're sort of seeing that as a risk to our security or sovereignty. Um, but that's where we are. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the security aspect because um, I'm a recovering conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh, God, so okay. It, does, it doesn't take much to uh, to tickle my conspiracy taste buds. And it, it was always a, a kind of a, a back-of-mind theory of mine that if you look at the, the world stage, you've got the superpowers of, you know, America and China and Russia, and you've got Europe, you know, this, this humongously powerful trading and military bloc in, in Europe. And to break that up would be of interest to the other superpowers, wouldn't it? You know, and, and militarily speaking as well. I mean, we are so much more vulnerable now that we're literally like a tiny little island that has to fend for ourselves, rather than being a member of this massively powerful union, you know? So do you feel that there was some kind of ex external interest in this happening? Or am I just tumbling down some David Icke rabbit hole? Well, I think we definitely know that Brexit was, you know, a gift to the likes of Putin and others. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it is it is kind of, you know, unstabilizing. It is creating discord across Europe. Um, that is that is just truth. And so uh, that that works in the favor of all those who would like to see a weaker Europe, a weaker European Union and a weaker UK. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything that's not a conspiracy. No. How much, you know, Russia and others was involved in the in, in the referendum. I think that's, you know, that's more disputed and kind of yeah, how active. But certainly there were factors at play there. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's completely uh, <laughs> beyond the realms of truth. Mm, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Well, well, to, to, to steer us back out of David Icke territory, um, what are some examples of some of the gains and benefits that we've now completely lost as a direct result of no longer being a member of the European Union? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking along the lines of social safeguards and environmental standards and you know, um, drug legislation and you know um, food and hygiene standards, things like that. What, what are examples of some of the things that we've now lost, lost out on? Yeah, I mean, the reality is on, on stuff like human rights, um, on in terms of kind of food, environmental standards, workers' rights, all of those things, actually, the, U- the UK was part of developing um, Europe-wide legislation on that, you know, and regulations on those fronts. And most of that has been um, enshrined in UK law. So leaving the European Union hasn't immediately kind right. of removed all of those rights and freedoms. I think what we're seeing, though, with the with the current government is a, is lots of kind of hyping up of deregulation. So you might have heard of talk about the Brexit Freedoms Bill. Um, they're talking about kind of, you know, scrapping a whole load and shredding a whole load of the EU regulation. That's actually kind of regulation that started out in the EU is now kind of um, sort of, you know, UK law. But we're we're really talking about some pretty basic things about the cleanliness of our beaches, mm. about the standard of our sewage and where it goes. We're talking about, you know, um, kind of how many hours it's safe to work in the NHS. Those things kind of are pretty fundamental. It's not just this kind of faceless regulation and red tape. This is the stuff that keeps us safe, that right. keeps us clean, that keeps us healthy. And certainly is the intention of this government. I think to um, to kind of relax a lot of that regulation, to kind of race to the bottom, so that we can be competitive right. in trading with with blocks beyond the EU. And what we're doing is selling out our farmers. We're selling out uh, our own workers um, in pursuit of trade, which we wouldn't have had to go after if we'd maintained trade with Europe. So. No, it's all a bit depressing, really, isn't it? That we we're willing to sacrifice that much, but there we are. Yeah, well, I I just I mean, obviously, you know, I I was a remainer and remain so myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's difficult for me to understand the mentality of wanting to leave. You know, I, I love Europe. I might consider yeah. myself a European, um, not just for you know the the many benefits that you've listed, but just in my you know culturally. You know, I'm a man of the world. You know, I I I love being a European and being able to travel around Europe freely and things. So I miss all of that. So it's difficult for me to understand what the mindset would have been for someone who voted to leave, given mm-hmm. that they were most the people who stood to, to lose the most. So what are your thoughts on the Leave campaign? What I mean, what I know there was a lot of, you know, shifty messaging going on about the NHS and stuff like that. Uh, you know, a lot of foul play going on in that campaign. Um, but what's, what are your thoughts on how the vote went the way it did? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a huge amount of misinformation and lies that were kind of peddled during the campaign. I mean, I think that the Leave campaign um, pounced on people's fears and kind of particularly concerns about immigration, kind of the changing nature of communities across the UK, um, but also just a sense that people were not being listened to and were out of control of their lives. And I think that was, you know, that was a kind of set of feelings that were really usefully exploited um and i think there's there's a lot that the 
um, Remain campaign can learn about really understanding kind of where where people are at and what what matters to people. I don't think that the public was properly listened to by the Remain campaign. Actually, I think that it was a lot of you know hard headed talk about this is not for our economy but actually this is about real people's lives and I don't think I don't think the Remain campaign did anywhere near enough to kind of connect with people and talk Mm. to people about what really mattered to them um, and how our relationship beyond the UK could kind of gave gave them kind of benefits they may not have been aware of but you know are really important Um, so I think there's quite a lot to learn and um, we, we need to learn it now because we as I said we're kind of you know, we're in this battle to reclaim our country's direction and to kind of reverse the calamity of Brexit. And we need to know how to how to sort of shift back yeah. um, towards a much more a much more positive relationship with Europe and our neighbours. Well, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because that's the age old tactic. I mean, fear is so much easier to sell than abstract concepts such as, you know, an impending climate crisis and things like that. I mean, you know, people are concerned about their jobs and their families and immigration and things like that. So as long as you peddle that line, even if it's a complete fabrication, um, you stand to, to, to have more success than somebody with a complicated, nuanced argument with the pros and the cons. And I think Jeremy Corbyn was, was guilty of being caught up in that because, you know, he couldn't give a direct answer whether he was for it or, or, or against it. Because it, it, there are grey areas in, in politics and in life generally, things aren't that simple. But I think the the conservatives certainly are, they they they're very successful at doing this is that they play these absolutist populist lines of fear and jobs and they keep it simply within that area and they i think they have a lot more success because of that you know because it is more difficult to actually explain the other side in a way that isn't pandering to primal instincts yeah i think that's right but i also think that you know what we're experiencing now is a cost of living crisis that is hurting everyone. Yeah. You know, the kind of, all those kind of, you know, the, the sort of wild stuff that's happening in Westminster now, sure, it's Westminster bubble stuff, but it's hurting people's mortgages and pensions yeah. and, you know, so, and all of that started with Brexit. You know, you can kind of trace it right back to the lies that were peddled, the kind of decisions that were taken um the the economic situation post brexit absolutely but it's starting to really affect people in their pockets and you know and damage people's futures so i don't think we can go on with this situation much longer uh, we are starting to see people speaking out and i think in you know people up and down the country are starting to realize that brexit isn't just a kind of you know as you said an abstract concept it is it is genuinely making people poorer and making life harder and we just can't afford to shut ourselves off anymore you know we need every advantage we can get given kind of where we are so uh, so i really hope that this is the point where the tide tide turns a bit and we're starting to see people sort of recognize that we 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 can't afford to shut our borders uh we can't afford to shut shut away from trade on our doorstep and we need to have kind of quite pragmatic conversations about how to get us out of this cost of living crisis and improve and grow the economy. Inevitably, that has to be kind of growing our trade with the biggest trading block in the world, which is on our doorstep. Right. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think if we had the the referendum again now today, I think it would be a complete opposite result. I think everybody is realizing this is a complete waste of time and has been very destructive and divisive for no real reason. I certainly know no benefits, quite quite to the contrary. So I'm quite confident that if we were to have a referendum again now that we would get the opposite result. Yeah, the numbers are quite interesting. So there's now a sort of steady majority who think that Brexit was a bad idea. Um, and there is an increasing number, I think we're just on the borderline of a kind of, you know, sort of um, just starting to see a majority who would vote to rejoin. But I think that's not that's not quite so stable or quite so assured. Right. And I think, you know, there's still work to do. Our job, the European movement's job, is to kind of push that and to kind of, you know, help expose the calamity of Brexit and start to kind of shift opinion um based on the facts that we we're living through. Um because I think I think until we've got a really stable majority in, in favour of, you know, um a kind of closer relationship, whether that's joining the single market or joining you know, rejoining the EU in due course. I don't think we can even think about kind of running that campaign. What is really, really sure, though, is that politicians are not going to do this for us. You know, politicians are way behind public opinion. Labour is quite scared to talk out. The Tory party is wound up in knots. You know, we do see Green Party and the Lib Dems willing to be a bit more outspoken, but ultimately it's us, the movement, that's going to kind of do the work to kind of to keep the conversation alive, right. to shift public opinion. That's our job. That's what the European movement's here to do. Well, we'll come on to um, more about European movement later on and what people can do to actually help and support the yeah. cause. Um, so we'll make right. sure that we, we give a good plug towards the end there because I'm sure we're going to get people riled up and uh, enthusiastic to help, which is always good. Um, but coming right. back to the Leave campaign, um, I'm, I've never really been able to put my finger on who benefits from that? Who who are the forces behind that that were pushing it, um, and why? Who, who, I mean, who, I, I still can't really figure out where the benefit lies in, in in us leaving Europe. Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. I mean, I think I think that there are there's a sort of certain section of kind of wealthy people who would benefit from Brexit um, from you know the economic decisions that were taken off the back of Brexit. I think there was. Uh, I mean, certainly kind of a, a section of the Conservative Party that has done pretty well out of it for a time, although it's very speedily unraveling now. Um, I think that, you know, if you look at what happened with Red Wall constituencies after Brexit and kind of, you know, that sort of swing from Labour to the Conservatives, clearly um the Conservative Party got a big majority out of it. But, uh, you know, I think it's more complex than that. I don't know. I don't know. I think it was a sort of a movement that had a bit of a, a that sort of grew and became a bit of a monster. Um, and our job is just to reverse that and to kind of, you know, actually, we've talked quite a lot of the European movement about needing to heal the hate. Actually, we can't, we can't continue a situation where there's just two kind of sides to this, a kind of, you know, two yeah. poles with yeah. leave and remain kind of forever at each other's throats and, you know, swinging between the two. We need to sort of find some common ground in the middle. Um, and I think that has to be based on kind of, you know, the reality of yeah. life in a really complex world with some really big, you know, risks for the whole, you know, for, for our whole future. So we're talking about environmental risk and, 
the risk of future pandemics and you know the risks of secure you know defense and security risks um all of those things are so huge we can't manage them on our own yeah um, and so i think you know we need to find a common ground in the uk that's kind of not based on fears and yeah. kind of you know, entrenched views but actually on a kind of common view of what we want to be in the world and how we solve those future crises so what about Farage then? What, I mean, was he just a useful idiot or was did he have some personal gain in this? Well, that's a good point. I mean, he, he, he has, an a, idiot. has a big part to play, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, is it about his sort of, you know, personal uh, fame and riches? Or, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He certainly had a huge influence, didn't he, during the, during the League campaign. Um, and I don't think he's gone away yet. No, it doesn't seem so, unfortunately. But I mean, I'm still confused by him, man. I mean, I don't really know what his 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 official job description is. I mean, he's essentially just a kind of like celebrity right wing old dude that just yeah. rears his head now and again just to stir the noise on certain issues. And um, I don't really know. I'm, I'm sure I'm being chronically naive here, but I, I don't really know what his horse in that race was other than maybe to help out some of his rich banker buddies from the city of London, mm. you know, cause his background is in that, which is the irony of him being the spokesperson for, you know, working class issues and, you know, speaking on behalf of the everyday man, because he's not from that background. You know, his background is in finance, but this is a case in point. I mean, it's a term, in terms of the communication effort and the messaging, because he's good at it. He's a good communicator. And that means a lot in these, in these things. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter whether what he's saying is actually true or not. It, what matters is that he gets the message across. And again, like you mentioned earlier, that is a chronic failure that we've had on our side, on the, on the left for a long time. It's just generally speaking across many issues. But in terms of Farage, yeah, I, I just don't know what that dude's deal is. And I, I yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm being naive, but I still don't really know why he was so much in the driving seat on pushing Brexit through. You know, I mean, what did he personally stand to gain and who was he doing this for? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I agree with you on the communication point. I mean, he managed to communicate in a way that convinced so many people, despite actually being the opposite of all the things he's, yes. you know, pretending to be. Yeah. And that was that was his great strength. And exactly as you say, kind of manipulating people's fears. Um, and I, I think kind of, you know, he benefited, didn't he, from being slightly outside of the, right. the, the party system. Machinery, yeah. Easy to be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It, <laughs> Long, long may he stay out of politics. But I he's not gone for good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't seem so. Unfortunately. Um, well, saying just, I've got one more question to do with the Leave campaign because I am still, after all these years, completely confused. You're not over it, are you, James? <laughs> no, I'm not. It's still, it's still a sore <laughs> point for me. Yeah. Not, but <laughs> I'm just confused. There's, there's so many unanswered questions to do with this. Like, and, and again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to skirt dangerously close to uh, conspiratorial waters here, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try not to send send us down that kind of rabbit hole. But you mentioned earlier that there, you know, there, there has, there obviously was an investigation into what did Russia have any kind of role or influence in some of the misinformation um, and, and, and the Leave campaign. I don't know what the outcome of that investigation was. I'm guessing it was probably we don't know. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, to, to be quite honest, I, I don't... I, 
I don't know. I mean, there were exactly as you say, there were investigations, and the Russia report was kind of, you know, famously not published for a long time, and, and I think maybe was never published. See, I, I, I'm, I'm not even sure. I mean, there was a lot of kind of, um, uh, yeah, on on that one, I I don't think we'll ever know right. the truth of what went on, and I, you know, I think in some ways. We need to be as a we need to be kind of live to the risks and kind of uh, you know taking steps to protect ourselves in future. I mean, it is it is worth saying, but it kind of goes back to the kind of you know right to the heart of it. The European Union is doing some really really important work on disinformation and kind of you know the risks of kind of democratic interference. Um, and we should be part of that work. We should be benefiting from it and contributing to it. And it's a great shame that we're not working with our neighbours to kind of, you know, because because the risks are definitely real. The interference is definitely real. Um, and so as a trying to sort of baffle that on our own when we could be doing it as part of a kind of wider collaboration just seems seems pretty nonsensical to me. Yeah. But. Well, I suppose, like you said, yeah, there it, it, it does come a point where you people like myself have got to get over it. <laughs> it has been a while now. <laughs> we're in the situation we're in. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about the campaign and how we ended up here, but we've ended up here regardless. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we need to just accept it. And as you said earlier, we need to learn from it as well. We need to, you know, our, our people on our side of the conversation need to learn from our, our, um, failures i suppose in the messaging uh on the you know yeah. around the referendum and move forward so with regards to moving forward let's talk about um european movement and so what is it you guys do so we are uh well we are a movement as it says in our name so we you know we've got um we're a membership organization we've got tens of thousands of members we've got local groups up and down the country doing campaigning and our job really is to expose the you know, the calamity of Brexit kind of makes sure that that is not forgotten and that kind of, you know, we're still talking about the impact of Brexit in everybody's lives. And then to work with um, every political party, so we're completely cross-party, um, to start to um, to build back our relationship with, with Europe. Now, our membership is absolutely clear that, um, you know, in the future, our Home is at the heart of Europe, um, and you know we. But but our job, I guess, is to try and make it politically possible to have that campaign that right. many of our members want to kind of rejoin. That's not where we are. I think what we need to do is kind of embolden the sections of each of the parties that recognise there is a job to be done to just you know to reverse the sort of the the harm that's been done by Brexit bit by bit step by step and to start talking about a kind of more sensible trading relationship with the EU and G-Force. So we're a campaign basically and people can get involved. <laughs> right. Well, so what, what, what is the process for rejoining then? I mean, I didn't even know that that was possible at this point. I suppose anything's possible, but I mean, it would be such a massive thing to do, would it not? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, so practically the steps we would, you know, I think that the EU wouldn't even consider taking us back unless it was very clear that there was a kind of, you know, a, a, a significant majority in favour of, of joining the European Union. Um, and so that is a long, long way away. We've got a lot of work to do. I think, you know, the job is to kind of shift opinion um, and 
uh, build back step by step. But I think, you know, practically how would it happen? I think, you know, we'd have to do everything we had to do first time around. So a whole load of kind of talks with the EU about kind of what standards we'd need to reach to kind of meet the expectations of the EU. And I, I don't know whether we'd get privileged kind of, you know, access or mm. how how welcome they would be. But it, it, yeah, it will take a long time. It's not going to be easy. Right. Uh, but the first step, I think, and, and the bit that the European movement can do is about helping to make a case for our relationship with Europe being really, really fundamental. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it's, it feels to me as if the public mood is definitely shifting on this. But in terms of the machinery of how we would make it happen, I mean, that would just be such a massive feat to to undertake. And obviously, we've had, you know, the Tories in power now for what feels like 500 years. It's been a long winter. Yeah. Um, do you feel that it, under a Labour government, the door might be more open on the con- a conversation about having another referendum or looking at options for rejoining, perhaps? So Labour's position is make Brexit work, which right. you know, I, mean, well, I don't know how do you make Brexit work. But actually, on the sort of short term steps, we're not that far apart. So from a European movement perspective, we would agree with Labour that you've got to find a negotiated settlement on Northern Ireland. We've got to find right. a way of, you know, breaking through that. And it, it needs it involves talking to the EU rather than issuing threats and risking a trade war so that we'd agree on. You know, we'd agree on re- returning to some of the programs that were um that we were involved in which don't require being a member of the european union right. so stuff like horizon which is the big research program where we benefited from huge amounts of eu funding and kind of played a really we played a leadership role in that program for the whole of europe and we've lost out in leadership terms and in funding terms from being part of it so we could rejoin that that. We could be joining Erasmus, which is the you know studying abroad program, um, which actually, by the way, benefits kind of you know kids in sort of um, in in schools in kind of um, disadvantaged areas. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just kind of privileged uh, right. you know middle class uh, university students who benefit from that. So yeah. There's all sorts of things we could do right now that would improve the situation. We also definitely should be engaging with Europe to talk about defence and security issues. In the light of Ukraine and everything else, you know, we should we should have a pact um, with the EU on, on security and defence, which was offered by the EU, and we just turned it down for no good reason. So, those things I think we'd agree with Labour on. And then I think you know, the, the, where where I think we disagree is that you know that can't be the end point. That is literally just kind of tidying up what was a very messy hard Brexit. Right. And I think the reality is. If we want to have, if we want to be a sort of powerful trading nation, we probably need to open up access to trading rates with Europe. And, and that involves a different relationship than the one we've got, a different agreement than the one Boris Johnson put together. Um, and I think Labour is not willing to go. So, you know, I think we would like to see after the next election, Labour do all the things it's currently saying it will do, but also starting to right. acknowledge the trade point as well. And I think that anyone that is going to fight the corner for rejoining the EU or, or options to make our relationship more harmonious is going to have to, well, it will, will be inevitably confronted with the two main crowning ace cards of the Leave campaign, which was 
that of the cost of membership and could we be spending that money elsewhere in a better way domestically and that of immigration and the concerns that people always have on that issue about you know employment in you know low-income or working-class areas those are going to be the two weapons that are going to be drawn you know, on behalf of the the leavers again, if this conversation was was to recommence. So, what would your response be to those main issues at this point? Yeah, I mean, so on on the cost issues, that we, I think we've been it's been proved and hasn't it? There wasn't three hundred and fifty million pounds a week no. to return to the NHS, and actually, the cost of leaving the uh, European Union was huge, and has had a big impact on our economy, and we got more out of our relationship with the EU than we put in in terms of trade and you know so we've seen a and we've seen a reduction of five percent in GDP as a result of Brexit. Wow. Um, the the analysis suggests that the average family is going to lose out by about a thousand pounds a year um, by twenty thirty as a result of kind of not being part of the European Union. That money that we've lost is money that we could be putting into hospitals and schools and all the rest of it. So let's be honest, kind of we are we're making a decision to make ourselves poorer. So I think the cost arguments are easier to make, actually. Um, but I think there's sort of the on the immigration side too. You know what what we've seen since Brexit is that we haven't got the workforce we need to kind of you yeah. know we've lost nurses, doctors, yeah. fruit pickers, kind of seasonal workers. Actually, Drivers. we are crying out for that staff, yeah. um, and it's making you know it's making things harder for us. And I think people understand that. So I think if you start to talk to people about, um, you know, we need to have a slightly different uh, visa arrangement with the EU um, in order to kind of make sure that you get a speedy appointment with your GP or you know your your grandparents get the care they need in a care home. I think people get that. So maybe maybe we have a job to do to tell those stories a bit better. Um, but genuinely, the immigration concerns, you know, it was all it was all fear mongering. We know that now, anyway. Yeah. But, you know, um, I think I think it's really about telling the story in a different way. And what would that story be? So, so you've laid out the case brilliantly for all the, the arguments against Brexit and why it's been a mistake. So if I said to you now at this point, Anna, here's the microphone, the stage is yours, the audience is listening. What would the case be for rejoining Europe? Well, I mean, I, I said it before, but, I, you know, we have made ourselves poorer, less competitive, um, you know, harmed all sorts of kind of, you know, put peace at risk because of leaving the European Union, but actually, this is about something even more fundamental than that. It's about the soul of our country. This is about kind of who we fundamentally are. So why do we why do we need to kind of build back our relationship? It's because we believe in kind of peace. It's because we believe in the in the rule of law and democracy. It's because you know all of those things which are European values. It's because we want to build a richer, uh, more prosperous future for the people of this country. Um, so we're in it, you know, we're in a battle for our country's soul. Um, and it takes brave people, I think, to stand up and, and be part of that. But I think that people really understand that the situation we're in at the moment, we have lost control of the direction of our country. Things are spiraling out of control and we need to kind of take take ownership of that. So I hope that people will join us um, and, you know, stand up for what I think 
we all believe in, which is kind of a fairer future for the UK. 100% amen to that. <laughs> that's that's going to be the clip that I'm going to use on the promo Are you with me, sure. James? Did I convince you? Oh, damn right. I'm, I'm ready to get my pitchforks and take to the streets right now, man. Let's do it. <laughs> but, you know, listen, one, one thing that I do want to say is that we can't do this on our own. As I said, the political parties are not going to do this. Politicians are way behind public opinion. European movements job is to kind of grow the movement that will take us back we can't do it the size that we are at the moment you know we're a we're an organization that's grown massively since brexit we are we've got members joining kind of you know an increasing pace and that's brilliant but we are still nowhere near the size we need to be the strength we need to be to take this campaign you know where it needs to go so if you've got people listening to this podcast today who kind of want to be part of it they need to join us. Um, that's that's the best, fast way, the fastest way that you know they can get involved. So you know, go to our website, europeanmovement.co.uk, and just sign up, um, and you can be part of it. But we do need to be bigger. We need to be stronger. We need to all be speaking with that voice, you know, and getting our message heard. Well, you preempted my next question perfectly. You answered both parts of, the, of my next question, which was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've done you've clearly done this a few times before <laughs> so i was going to ask and well I'll, I'll i'll do the question anyway just to reiterate the point for anyone that, that missed it the first time if people want to people are feeling as incensed as i am to get out there and get uh, behind this they can check out uh, www.europeanmovement.co.uk is the website where you can sign up and you can get there's a ton of information up there and links and stuff as well which you can further educate yourself on and on twitter if you're a social media dude like I am you can go to they're at euro move so you can follow the updates and, and and share things from there as well is there any anywhere else people can go yeah no i mean that that covers it we're also on all the social media yeah. platforms as you'd expect um but yeah go to our website and sign up um and then you know we have as i said we've got local groups across the country so in terms of how you can get involved apart from kind of you know adding your voice to uh um, you know, uh, campaigns list. You know, you can take some, you can sign petitions and do all of that online without getting out of your seat. But you can also go and join your local group and get out there on the street and talk to people and try and help us to get our message out. Um, there's loads of things you can do to kind of get involved in our campaigns. But we 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 need people out on the streets and we need people kind of ready to share our messages on social media and all the rest of it too. So. Yeah, so I suppose essentially it's about just, you know, doing what you can to amplify a more pro-European narrative again and, you know, helping to try and build bridges with people on the other side of that conversation, whether it's on social media or down the pub or, you know, around the dinner table or wherever. With the aim of just trying to, like, normalize this conversation again, now, now we've learned from our mistakes the first time around, and we, we have obviously the benefit of hindsight now as to the fact that the thing didn't work as well, you know? So I suppose it's just about yeah popularizing the the pro-European sentiment again. Um, is it also worth people writing to their MPs as well to get a feel for where they stand on this issue? Yeah, I mean it definitely is. Um, we've got some upcoming campaigns about this issue about you know regulation and this race to the bottom, so that our, our sort of beach and rivers and uh, food standards are kind of being put at risk. Um, so we will be asking people to write to their MP about that, of course. Um, so there's loads of stuff that people can do. I think, I do think one of the most powerful things people can do is just 
have conversations with people that you know may you may have kind of had different views at the point of the referendum but a lot of water has passed under that bridge and I think all of us kind of talking you know and listening to the other's point of view and then sort of you know I think gently reminding people of some of what's happened since and kind of you know that I think is 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 really important and we can all do that and we all have you know the aunt and uncle who voted a different way and it's best not to talk about it I think we need to be talking about it we cannot ignore the elephant in the room well as you said you know a lot has changed since then and I think anyone that was you know fervently pro leave I think is, is definitely having some second thoughts now so I suppose yeah it's down to us to regain some of the mistakes we may have made in the conversation the first time around and I'm a big believer in building bridges not forming yeah. divisions you know so I mean hey you know we all make mistakes and you know we did the vote we're with it now so let's just let's just build that conversation back up in, in a kind of amicable and um, practical way Definitely. Absolutely. I think just, you know, just being willing to have a conversation, being willing to listen, that is going to take us a long way. Um, But don't forget to sign up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll remind you one more time, europeanmovement.co.uk. Get on the website, sign up and get involved. Let's do this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Anna, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate you stopping out to speak with us. Uh, it's been a really informative and insightful chat. You preempted most of my questions, which was, you know, saves, saves me, uh, you know, a lot of paper shuffling at this end. So thank you for that. And uh, your best wishes with the campaign, best wishes with everything coming up. And hopefully we'll see you out there soon. We're counting on you. Thanks ever so much, James. It's thank you, Anna. Speak you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, then. Bye. Anna Bird, ladies and gentlemen, from European Movement UK. In and out. Done. What do you think of that? Hope you found that chat informative and interesting and, you know, inspiring and motivating or um, or even better, you know, if you're a fervent Brexiteer listening to that, I hope it made you furious with rage and now you've, you've, you're red in the face and kicking things angrily around your living room in anger and frustration. That would make me even happier. I joke, of course. Come on, you just heard me talk about building bridges for the past half hour. But we can still have a laugh, can't we? Anyway, I don't think I need to say anything else on the subject. I think Anna's just put a nail case closed in that one. If you want to find out more, go and check out europeanmovement.co.uk or follow them on Twitter at Euromove and send them all the hateful messages that you normally send me. It'd be nice to have a week off. And once you're done doing that, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating, leave a review, good or bad, I don't mind, man, just leave one. And also, like I always say, if you listen to this on YouTube, you can leave a comment. And the whole point of doing these is to stimulate debate and a conversation around these issues. So do leave your thoughts because I do check them out. And um, stay tuned for another awesome guest next week. Like I said at the start, we have got some bangers. (laughs) Absolutely bangers coming your way so stay tuned i hope you're all well have a great week i'll be back next week with another guest and another topic in the meantime as always take care of others take care of yourself stay awesome and i'll see you soon